0: He is Jay King from The Athletic, and he is Brian Robb from MassLive.com, and I am Sam Jam Packard, and together we are Still Pottable! That's right, it is the best Boston Celtics podcast out there, and you are listening right now to the free edition that comes out every Monday. We are a Monday through Friday Boston Celtics podcast. And to listen to the rest of our content for the rest of the week, you can sign up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash pottable You can get in at the kids level for $5 and get the Tuesday and Thursday pod, or you can sign up and be a god and get uh, every single pod Tuesday through Friday. We'll be here every single day of the week with the best Celtics content and Celtics community out there, and we are still growing. We are coming to you on a Sunday evening in the Celtics. That was good.
1: That was good. Also, ad free, guys. Did did you write that down?
0: I completely just off the top of the dome. Although I forgot right now to call him Brian B. Rob Rob, which, um, you know, it's a mistake on my part. But, Jay, I wanted to bring something else. When you guys were podcasting last week, you tried to call him that, but just called him Brian B. Rob, which I thought was an excellent take on a new nickname for him.
2: B-Rob is just his nickname. No, I no, don't but you called him Brian
0: nickname. B, like Brian, and then just said B-Rob, and then didn't say Rob. It, like, you, like, halfway committed to the bit.
1: Well, B's my middle initial, so that, that works. That, well, <laughs> well,
0: then it works Ooh, No, No, no it's not, just... it is not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, B-Rob
2: the... would be classic, though.
0: Well, that's what I thought his name was. But enough of the tomfoolery. We are here, and the Celtics are still the lone undefeated team in the national basketball association uh they've won their last three games against the washington wizards uh which was a blowout and then it kind of got close but it was really a blowout a complete shellacking of the indiana pacers without tyrese halliburton and then a much closer game but still kind of solid victory against the brooklyn nets on saturday and we are doing what we do here every sunday or monday podcast is a classic case a potable six-pack that's where the three of us will draft the six things that are uh, most interesting, most compelling, or just things that we want to talk about from the last week of Celtics basketball. Since I clearly won last week by talking about Jason Tatum's 12 pounds of muscle, I'm going to determine the draft order right now and say, Jay King, you're going first. All right. Then me, Rob, and then me. And then we'll go back around on the snake draft.
2: I'm going to go with the Celtics offense. During first halves. They (laughs) had nothing but 70 point first halves. This week. Last week. Nothing. Nothing but. They had 75. They had 75. They had 70. They are just scoring at an outrageous rate. In the first half of games. They It took them a while to get going against Brooklyn. I didn't really think they made the best decisions. During the first half. They... Or like it wasn't like a crazy shooting game really didn't feel like it at least and they scored 70 points in the first half again i just it's crazy you don't see this type of scoring very often 155 points against the who was it the Nets? The Nets. No, <laughs> 150, 155 was not against the Nets. Oh, against you the morons. Pacers. Against the Pacers. You Poop.
0: You can't call me a Ninkum Poop when you're just completely blanked on one of three options.
2: I guess that's fair. We're, we could both be Ninkum Poops.
0: <laughs> I think that's more accurate.
2: But anyway, they've scored a lot of points, especially in the first half. Their
0: starting five is just like... I think this is true for just like at, uh, at any point, they clearly put up a lot of points in the first half, but it feels like anytime the starting five is in the game, they're just going to score at will. And so they might have some, some downturns when some bench players come in um, that certainly didn't happen against the Pacers, but it feels like there's just a safety blanket and just the ease at which they're able to score uh, when any of that starting five, I guess yeah, like if you can put Al Horford in there. Cause I feel like, he, even when he's been in there with other guys but if it's any kind of figuration of those top 6 guys there's just not a lot of ways that teams can guard them or or even try to slow them down
2: this it, the spacing has like just it. been crazy like <laughs> when they post up it's like you literally can't help people are just stuck on the guys next to around the perimeter and the spacing is just crazy it's nuts i and it, i don't think it'll be like that every single game but the spacing stands out as much as anything else. Like teams just aren't able to send help when they're down low or driving. It's crazy. Sorry for cutting you off, B. route. No, 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 this is because thank this you is very, for pointing out that my mic wasn't in. First of all, you sound it is now delightful. In. Now
1: you sound so much better. Um, but this is funny that you picked this because I, I'm gonna. I'm ready to jump right in with my second pick right now because it's directly piggybacking off of this. My question here, the Celtics are five and zero. have they played anyone remotely good on their schedule right now? When you consider who obviously they've played some good teams in theory. A lot of these teams have been really shorthanded for these games. So the Celtics are really good. I don't think we're anyone doubting that, but like in terms of what they're doing right now, offensively, have they played a semblance of like a, solid defensive team yet opening night yes maybe that was the one time they paid a full strength team the knicks but heat have been a mess to start the year and were shorthanded um pacers didn't have halliburton i mean wizards didn't have daniel gafford so we know that was a huge deal um but and then you know the nets were down what like three three guys on saturday night so i don't know like it's it's a theory of like they're they look like they're a wagon right now but are they? Are we seeing a little bit more above and beyond of what they can actually do against some like legitimate competition? Like I don't know, but that's that's kind of what I'm curious about after this. That, that kind of goes
2: back to preseason too. Even they didn't play yeah. anybody in the preseason. Like the the teams that they played were typically resting their guys. I think they played like six minutes against Jalen Brunson. Um, I do think my I would count Miami, even though they haven't started well. Yeah, I thought legit. Miami played at a high level that game and was clearly like that, that was a good basketball game and a well-played game. I thought by the heat for the most part. So yeah. And, and there's something also to the fact that the Celtics are not playing around with, they, have,
0: they haven't played with their meat teams. at all to quote doc riffers. They've not played <laughs> with their meat. um and they kind of did against Washington and the bench really struggled, but I do think like, then they came in and really kicked the shit out of the Pacers. And I think Brooklyn on Saturday night just was, was making a lot of like good shots and hanging around. And I thought like kind of just being an annoying team. And obviously they didn't have, um, you know, the great Ben Simmons or Nick Claxton, but I do think the Celtics kind of brought in the starters back in, in that fourth quarter, extended that lead and kind of um, you're right. They have, we haven't really seen them test at this point, but I do think they are just, they're playing a very, kind of serious basketball and then every time they there has been some like slight adversity at least in the first five games very small sample size I feel like they have responded quite well.
2: Yeah. I mean I, I how much adversity have they gone through? I
0: think the first two were, games they were, they were down in some others, g- they were down the in some games. Plus there's some thing, net rating. There's some 10 0 runs uh, by the other team, you know there's some mild adversity. There's some definitely the, runs they had to respond the to Knicks,
2: the next the game that they pulled one out there. I'll I'll give you that.
1: And the Heat game, too. I feel like that's the one I think, leaning against what the case here in terms of them being tested. You're like, the Heat played really well that game. Um, I think for at least for the first three quarters. And the Celtics kind of went and took it from them. Um, the the next game they got away with. But yeah, the rest of these games, even the Nets game, I know they're like, the Nets played well in that game, too. But when the, Celtics, when the Stars came in, when they decided they wanted to lock down, they took care of it. And then we all know what happened against the Wiz and the Pacers. So it is it's almost like, what do you want them to do right now? Like, yeah, of course they should. Like, I Should we knock them for like blowing doors against these type of teams? No, it's like this is what people wanted them to be doing a lot of last year, and they couldn't really do it wire-to-wire, and now they are. And that's like they don't control their schedule, and they don't control who sits out, and so it is what it is.
2: And it's kind of like two years ago when they started their turnaround. Yeah. They were beating the crap out of just nobody, <laughs> like just <laughs> destroying – all of the worst teams in the league were all of the teams with their stars out. And, but you could just see it. It was just the way they were playing the, the toughness that they were showing the togetherness that they were showing. And I, I feel like these five games, no matter who they were against, just the brand of basketball, the Celtics are playing is just really impressive.
0: My first pick, third pick in the draft a lot of me wants to go with Jason Tatum adding 12 pounds in the off season, but I'm not because I feel like we might've discussed that already. So I'm going to go with another trend I've noticed, and this is my first time watching this player uh, as a member of the Boston Celtics only played five games, but everything drew holiday does uh, surprises me. He has no regard for the rhythm of the game for the rhythm of a certain possession At any point, he's liable to take a step back three. I have no idea when it's coming. Uh, He's really throws some crazy passes. And it's just his entire game has been shocking to me. Like, I know the reputation of Drew Holiday, but this is the first time watching him night in, night out. And he's like, he only is taking eight shots a game, but all of them were just like, where the hell did that come from, Drew? Um, So it's been pretty just startling kind of adjusting to the Drew Holiday experience. All
1: right, let's take a break here to hear from our sponsor, FanDuel. Score early this NFL season of FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You can do spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Massachusetts 21 and present. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. ma.org or call one 800 327 5050 for twenty-four seven support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call one-eight hundred G A M one two three four. And now back to the show.
2: It really is hilarious. Like <laughs> it makes no sense. You really don't know what's coming next with Drew Holiday. He's not like you said, like it's not like he's taking eight or nine shots and they're just coming in the flow of the offense. So a, a few of them have, <laughs> but like you said, a lot a lot of his favorite shots are like just pull up threes or step back threes and it's it's funny to watch sometimes because he goes through a game and doesn't force much for like a while and then it's like the first time you've noticed him offensively in a few minutes is just like a random step back three pointer with 16 seconds left on the shot clock <laughs> i like how you put it i thought that was a great way to describe it that he doesn't play to the rhythm of the game like he's he's just doing his own thing, dancing to his own beat.
1: Wild card, it's a fun wild card. Like I, I think, and to to build on that, like he is, and I think Marcus Smart would used to do some of this stuff, but Drew Holiday does it cleaner offensively than Marcus Smart in terms of like there haven't been how many time I mean they've there've been some bad turnovers.
0: There are some really bad passes. There are some, some really the, bad what turnovers. What the hell are you thinking, there, Drew?
1: Right, but by and large, like his turnover percentage for the season is only like 12%, which is honestly a clear role for him. But he's like, he's played relatively clean games, like even with the like boneheaded turnover too in there. And because there's three or four or five other things he does that are great over the course, whether offensively or defensively, but for every one of those. So it's like, it's just with the weapons that have this offense, like, and he, he knows, I think not to, mix it up too much in terms of like he's not taking 20 shots per game they don't need him to do that and so he he likes to mix it up just to get involved but he's certainly not overstepping his bounds and 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 just adding another tough element to cover for this offense I
2: I like too that he's just kind of slid into some of the Marcus Smart role like like Marcus Smart was always really good at setting screens for Jason Tatum and then kind of playing in the short role out of it the Celtics just have that with Drew Holiday. And I, I'm i not... I think Derek White could have handled some of that stuff um, and will handle some of that stuff. But to get it also from Drew Holiday and for him to just be able to do that without having much time next to Tatum and just be able to just, like, slide in and, and do that stuff, that matters. All, all the options you can have late game matter. And especially, like... Tatum can really kill smaller guys now and so setting screens with the guards on him is going to be a great way to free him up late in the games and I, I I I think it's it's really great for the Celtics to just have somebody who can kind of fill in the uses that Marcus smart used to have holiday is also at 50 40 and he has yet to miss a free throw so that's what I was very efficient say. start even though he's just <laughs> You never know what's coming next.
0: He's he's freelancing, but he's still, like, pretty efficient. And when he takes that surprise three, most of the times it's gone in. Remember one against the Nets, I think it was like a – it was just a, like a broken play in the corner and someone kind of overplayed it. And it didn't look like he had the three-point shot at all, but he just kind of ended up taking it once they overplayed their hand. And, it, like, he's just done very well um, kind of fitting in seamlessly to the Celtics' offense. And in a game where Derek White didn't play – because uh, he was at the birth of his uh, second kid, Drew Holiday steps in and you know, like has ten assists. Like he, he feels like he can adjust his kind of usage or his uh, impact on the game depending on who's out there. Um, but is very willing to just kind of take a, a more of backseat when they do have that starting lineup out there.
2: Not bad He's also for fifth option. A lot of shots. He has yet to have a game without a block for the Celtics.
0: Not bad. Um, with my second pick. Of the and the first pick of the first round, I'm gonna have to go with Jason Tatum putting on 12 pounds of muscle in the offseason. <laughs> he's been phenomenal, he's in the past three games over 30 points. Um, but ju- just doing it, um, are you gonna
2: pick this every week?
0: if he, if he continues to play well, if he continues to be a benefit, if the Celtics continue to be a beneficiary of that extra 12 pounds of muscle, but he became the youngest player to score 10,000 points. A thing that was just kind of glossed over during the game in, in Brooklyn. I've just continued to be impressed with his um, ability. Like he's scoring at all three levels and we have not been subjected to the Jason Tatum um, horrific three point, like stretch, and it's probably coming just like that's been kind of standard with Jason Tatum and part of his career. But I do think just him playing in the post, the way his uh, improved vision uh, and kind of passing, his like very quick decision making to kind of as soon as you take a step away from your defender, he'll find the kind of guy in that opposite quarter. Um, I think just it's to be expected that he's going to average at 30 points again this year. And I think that's kind of wild just given. How much more um I guess uh dynamic scores they have on the roster, adding Chris Taps, Porzingis, adding Drew Holiday, and Jason Tatum's kind of like uh scoring uh is not going to take a dip. I think you have to credit the 12 pounds of muscle.
2: I don't know if it's the 12 pounds of muscle or the forty-five percent three point shooting. To me, that could be the most important part here, if if it continues. Like the first three years of his career. He was a knockdown three-point shooter. He was a knockdown three-point shooter off pull-ups. He was a knockdown three-point shooter off spot-ups. And the last couple of years, he's just kind of been a league average by the numbers, three-point shooter. Obviously, with the degree of difficulty, with the way they defend him, all that, he's much better than league average. But if he can get that back up, I think that's a, a huge, huge deal for the Celtics. Um and we won't know that for sure for a while and teams always guarded in the same way no matter what because they always knew that Jason Tatum if they weren't there was going to kill them or believed he was going to kill them but like I just feel like him and Jalen Brown too he didn't shoot the ball particularly well last year they both had down years and they both had down shooting series in Miami when they lost and it was a huge huge deal for them so the three-point shot coming back and him starting off hot from, from that distance feels like it, it could be a big deal. Or maybe it's nothing. Who knows?
1: How much of that do you feel like is shot selection, Jay, for him from three?
2: I feel like he's still taking a lot of really tough shots. <laughs> like, I, I don't feel like it's totally shot selection. Like He has hit some really tough off-the-dribble threes. He has hit... um even one of the catch and shoot ones he had last night it was kind of like a sidestep with a pretty close contest. I don't feel like he's had the easiest diet of three point shots so far. I could I could be wrong there. I haven't like watched them all in a row to to make sure, but it just feels like he's hit a lot of really tough shots so far.
1: And then he airballed like his the most wide open one love <laughs> all year. So that's like perfect. By far <laughs> the most wide open one. Left. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think he's he's still mixing in at least one or two of like you like that like the, like the pull-up sidestep, like ones that have always been tough shots for him. Like he doesn't need to do that as much, but the fact that you're know, like he's still hitting those and hitting them at a, a much higher rate now, like that just turns a a really good of offense into just like, oh, what the hell do you do with this? Because when we go that with the, the, the 12 pounds of muscle, um, then it's um you're you're looking at trouble from all
0: angles at this point. How do we know the 12 pounds of muscle isn't causing the three-point shooting?
2: Mm-hmm. How do
0: we know there's not a causation loop there?
2: Maybe there is. Maybe we there is.
0: That. He also is like he only got to the line uh I guess it's again where it's all small sample size caveat, but he hasn't really gotten to the line as much as he did consistently last year and is still putting up these 30-point games. Um, but I just think he's he's the straw that stirs the drink and he's like the Celtics offense has been very good and they have so many weapons but I think as we saw in the Nets game down the stretch teams are still going to double to try and get the ball out of Jason Tatum's hands and that feels like a reasonable calculation because he's still like despite how much talent they have on the floor is like obviously the most talented person on the team
2: and I thought I thought Joe Mazzola said something same same Tatum topic but kind of taking this a little little somewhere else the other day i, I think it was practice joe was talking about the the off ball stuff that tatum does and the screens that he's setting and being able to free up other guys and really free up himself too um and joe was like we had that last year at the beginning of the season and then we got away from it and that's very true like the the start the first 21 games or whatever. When the Celtics' offense was just lighting the world on fire, Tatum was making a living off with off-ball cuts, off-ball movement, off-ball screens, and they did get away from that. And I don't know why they got away from it. I don't know wh- whether it was just the the whole offensive structure got haywire. They didn't stay committed to the principles, whatever. Um, but like their offense is in a really good place right now, and. And keeping it that way, and and being willing to do all the off-ball stuff because that's gonna really make things easier for him. Um, they need to, they need to keep that up. Yeah, I feel like that's this sort of shit that
1: like true contenders do. Like when you look at teams that like get the like that that part of the game is always consistent for them on top of what they do within you know make, being a tough shot maker. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. For you Jay. All right, we've had a lot of positivity here. Understandably, so tribal. we're going to do the we're going to do We got one. I B- guess Rob, one area concern. his first
2: his first pick was your first Celtics pick was City. negative, that's that's You, that's you know was right now, and, and no. now he's going with the second one. Well,
1: who, who, what's what do you think? I have? what do you think I have here? What's our uh, one area concern on the roster right now? Bench. Did Peyton Pritchard leave all his buckets in the preseason? I just thought you like this numbers right now. <laughs> he's shooting 29% from the field. from three. Um, Yeah, he's, he's fine. He's going to keep playing. Like, this is just a slump here, but it's, I look at this more in like the big picture situation for this team right now. Like, I think the team was incredibly high on him this summer, obviously gave him that big extension, um, which I think should age really well, but it's a fascinating perspective to me now in terms of like, this team is all in on this season. And next season here like if they were to make any kind of move to like add like a 7th a or 8th guy that wasn't Pritchard this would probably be the guy to go here so but it's I'm fascinated to see just in terms of where you guys see his fit in the offense right now whether there's you know any concern or you think he's gonna be someone who's gonna be able to give good playoff minutes when push comes to shove
2: or is that gonna be kind of something to watch all year long well, one thing, this this could sound counterintuitive um, because the Celtics have so many really great scoring options around Pritchard. Even when their bench is in the game, they typically have some really good scorers in, in the game. I think he just needs to play with more freedom. He needs to get up tons of threes. He needs to be looking for his shot the way he did in the preseason. That's Does he, though,
0: if he's on the court with Jason Tatum?
2: He's a career 40% three-point shooter. He should be absolutely hunting his shots. The Right now, it's, it's super small sample size for him. He's played fewer than 100 minutes on the season. But he's taking fewer threes per 36 minutes than he's ever taken in his career by a couple. And I feel like there have been times when he's had opportunities to, to shoot one and it's kind of just let the defense react to him and – get back to him and I just feel like Peyton Pritchard is a great shooter we we've seen for three seasons that he's a very good shooter and he's dangerous if you try to weaponize that and I think he's shown that I just to me he needs to just just free ball. I think he said he, he was free balling one time when uh when he was in Portland and had like seventeen points in five minutes or whatever, and Ime got mad at him. He said he was free balling. And
0: is that is that the actual phrase he used?
2: Somebody it, it was either him or Ime said free balling. Hold on. I gotta find this quote. <laughs> but he clearly was doing that in the preseason. Like he's just here, got a free boy, ball. like
1: exactly like he – he was playing about like, it was his show for a lot of those games. And like I said, you could see him playing free and taking tough shots and making a lot of them, but, yeah, but it's much like,
0: easier to do that when like Am Hauser and O'Shea set are on the wings. When it then like, I feel like he's, uh, the bench comes in and he's playing the way the rotation works or uh, I think the, the way they want it to is like white and Tatum are the first guys out. And then they come back in with Pritchard and Hauser. And yeah. so I like, I think it's a it's something that he definitely needs to make the adjustment to because we saw him uh, in the fourth quarter of the Pacers game where he's playing against uh, their bench unit and win the rest of the bench. Like, he puts up 16 points there. Like, he still kind of has that uh, playmaking and scoring in his game. I think it's just about getting comfortable and, and picking his spots um, because they're just popping into my brain. I don't know if it was against Washington or against the Nets. It's just like a couple possessions where he – Drove the ball and wasn't really sure what to do, and got caught with a um, a jump ball and, and got tied up. And so I think it's about staying aggressive. And I think Jay, you're right. It's probably more about staying aggressive about taking three point shots when they're open, and less about like him needing to be the one who probes the offense or being the main playmaker. Um, what you, I guess, I don't want to usurp your your third pick, Jay, but we're talking about kind of the the bench here. Um, so unless you were going to draft Luke Cornett. Can we talk about Luke Cornett's appearance against the Nets uh, on Saturday?
2: Let's talk a little Luke Cornett. Absolutely.
0: Was that going to be your next pick though? I just don't want to step on it. That was not going to be my next pick. <laughs> All right. What did you guys think? Luke Cornett comes in, drops 10 points, got close to a double-double. I was I promised two Luke Cornett double-doubles by last Christmas. He's yet to get one to my knowledge, but... I think that's like when I'm talking to other people out there who are. It <laughs> was
2: a wild prediction.
0: <laughs> Robert Williams was hurt. Dude, I thought I he was going to get a. I thought he was going to get a lot of a lot more play than he did. He had sometimes times where he had double digit rebounds, didn't get the points. Sometimes he got the double digit points, didn't get the rebounds. But I'm talking to I think Celtics fans, and I think we see this on the still potable chat on the Patreon app, which everyone should be participating in. It's a fun time, um, especially during games. I think that like the consensus is that the Celtics, if they're going to add someone, they're going to need to add a kind of a backup big. And so we saw the rotation shift a little bit with Derek white out started double bigs. That means you're going to get more Cornet minutes. And I just thought he played a pretty solid game um, and showed what he's uh, capable of. Again, they're playing against the nets who didn't really have, uh, I would say a legitimate center option. And so it was like, he was playing against uh, amazing big competition out there. But I just thought he did a good job uh, rolling to the rim, had solid hands, and that's kind of what you needed to see from that bench group. I feel like the bench doesn't need to add to leads. They just need to kind of, like, sustain whatever the lead is and then just wait for the starters to come back in, and they should be in good shape. But I thought it was a solid performance from Luke Cornette that needed to be recognized.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, good game. I, I agree. Good game on the fundamental front for Luke Cornett in terms of being like, hey, this team is not playing any real big men for – Eighty percent of the game, roll to the hoop, catch the ball, finish it, which is a big deal. Like for someone like Kip, he's usually passive in terms of that stuff, like looking to pass more than that. But he took care of business in that game. After I think he didn't have a great first week of the season, so I think that's like any type of progress like this for him is something to build on. And with back to backs coming up, um, you know, in the next couple weeks here, he's going to get more and more chances. And like you said, Packard, like we're going to see what this team does with the big man situation but if cornette shows he can do this you know semi regularly when he gets 15 20 minutes a night like that's obviously a huge boon for you know their potential options on the line
2: is it my turn now
0: it depends if you want to add to the luke cornette chatter
2: or not i have not much to add to that luke cornette that was pretty thorough luke cornette conversation <laughs> uh so my pick is Christoph Porzingis switching quite a bit against the Nets and doing so in a pretty promising fashion. And I thought it was a super interesting matchup because it the Nets started Dorian Finney-Smith at center. The Celtics started two centers in Al Horford and Christoph Porzingis. And so to be up against that team, which has a lot of, like basically nothing but guards and wings and guys who can attack you off the dribble – to use Porzingis as a switcher, especially like late in the fourth quarter with an eight, 10 point lead, the Celtics switched Porzingis a lot. And I just thought he looked really good. Like he blocked Cam Thomas on one drive, like stayed with him the whole time, angled him to the other side of the rim, blocked it. He stayed up on, I think it was Dinwiddie, but stayed up, like was right there, forced a miss, forced an air ball. He had a switch on a Cam Thomas, same thing, like forced an air ball. And I just feel like Porzingis, most of the time, they're not going to switch him. But for him to be capable of that and for him to be capable of that in the double big lineups to allow you to keep your structure and to do it against a a team with the Nets, that was really a tough matchup for for that double big lineup. Um, It was like our first Super extended look at that that front court, and I th- I thought it was great. Like they had hundred thirty something offensive rating, a hundred like four or five defensive rating. So it, it looked great, and and I just feel like Porzingis' defensive versatility probably hasn't been utilized a ton in the past. But Joe Mazzola a few times has said like if you look at the numbers, he was really good in switches for a center. And he knows what he's doing, basically. He knows where he's supposed to send a guy. He knows like how to play the the tendencies. And, and you could see it in, in that Brooklyn game. And so I thought of maybe not a, a development because he's a 28-year-old who's been doing this for a while. But for the Celtics, they haven't used him in switching a ton. And for him to be able to hold up the way he did in the fourth quarter, even though the game wasn't really in doubt, um it was still semi-close at that point and he just kind of shut the nets down and in like three straight possessions when they were trying to hunt him i just think that's a big deal yeah there's definitely parts of that game
1: where you wondered with way the vets were playing like should they still be doing double bigs right now like what like this is kind of slippery slope but to your point yeah like porzingis more often than not has acquitted himself well in the perimeter in these spots. And that is as big of a litmus test as there is, especially going like for the postseason, because that is going to be the one place where teams are going to attack them time and time again, him on the perimeter and switches. And if he can hold up, he doesn't have to be amazing. Just like fairly well on that front. If he showcases that over the course of the season, like he did on Saturday night there, like that's, that's taking away one potential big flaw for this team. And there's, very few to pick from based on the first five games of the year. So, like, it's early. We'll see how you match it up. But I definitely agree with you, Jay. Like, pleasantly surprised on that
0: front so far. It's yeah, just
2: imp- it, it, they're not g- – oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say it's important for, like, you never know what the Celtics' defense is going to be. And so I feel like if for them to just have that option of, like, yeah, sometimes we're going to have tr- Chris Tapps in a drop, but just – at any point, being able to switch up the defense and make teams uh, uncomfortable and not really know what's coming, I've liked that with the zone, and I just like that with Chris Tapps. You're not like locked into one specific style of defense with him, and I think that just makes the Celtics that much more dynamic on the defensive end.
2: Yeah, look, there, there will be a lot stiffer tests than Cam Thomas and – I don't Lewis know, Cam Thomas is pretty Sp- fucking Spencer good. Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> Cam and... Thomas can ball. <laughs> And there was one play when Porzingis just kind of backed way off and Cam Thomas just shot an easy one. But I thought more often than not, Porzingis looked pretty good and impacted the shot. There was one play, Mikhail Bridges hit a really tough like fadeaway on him, but it took like he went at him, did a spin move, got into a fadeaway, and Porzingis was right there to contest and made him take a really tough like 16-foot jumper. And you'll live with that. If, if he can force the opposing team's best scorer to do stuff like that, then I just think the more options they have, the better. And he's not just like a, a stationary rim protector. He, he can move his feet a little bit, and he's smart enough to just – and long enough to, to give guys a little trouble in those situations.
1: A good sign that he's healthy now, too. And generally, like after the foot this summer, like he just seems to be moving well. And to I me, mean, it's a long year, but um, this is something I don't think we've seen much of in years past. Some of that is scheme, but I think it just part of it. Like he's maybe in a better spot physically than he's been, you know, certainly in Dallas. And you know, we saw him play pretty well last year, but now he's got better defenders around him.
0: Seems like we just completed. North. A potable six pack. I didn't hear the noise cause I was uh, yelling in my own ear, but I think it's time now to clear out the honorable mentions or any other possible notes, junk observations, bunk observations from the Nets game. Um, I'm shocked. We've gone 35 minutes so far and have not talked about it, but Joe Mazzulla is wearing some of the wackiest sunglasses ever on Saturday night. And I, I eventually, you know, like it was explained to me that it was for a medical condition, but, Every time I saw him on the screen, it made me laugh. He looked kind of like a weird 70s drug dealer, but like he was also very serious and still Joe Missoula. I was thinking more
2: ja- jazz musician.
0: Some would say both. They, he could be both. But yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Um, I just had to bring it up. This is a Celtics podcast. I had to mention it because I don't know if we're going to get it again on Monday night. But Joe Missoula in funky glasses. Uh, discuss amongst yourselves, please.
1: I mean, it was the most read Celtics article on, on Mass Life on after the game. So it was, why is Jones wearing these glasses? Why um, is? I still don't know. I still don't uh, know uh, yeah, reason. so I, I believe he told reporters in the tennis, it was not related. He did not, unlike last year when he got, you know, raked across the eyes in a pickup game, it was not related to a pickup game. But I guess just some ir- irritation to the eye um, that came up. So Do you think it's again, part of
0: his optimization strategy? Like, we know he stopped chewing bubblegum. To get more oxygen to his brain, so he made better decisions down the stretch. Do you think this is all part of like trying to cut down on blue light? Uh, do you think there's some pseudoscience behind this decision? Because that's what I'm really hoping for. That's a full. I think adjustment. there's real
2: science probably behind the decision. Usually, when the eyes are involved, <laughs> I feel like you could probably go with real science. That would be my guess.
0: Fair enough. Um, another honorable mention: O'Shea Brissett hit a three. So, watch out. <laughs> nba
1: um, did hit a three. i was shocked he, he missed a couple other ones too um <laughs> to talk about that
0: you're the you're the negative uh, no, no, uh no, no. you're the you're the pessimist on this podcast b rob
1: <laughs> Jeez, i have to bring up al horford getting the tech on the dunk um so dumb they the officials got a lot of gruff in that game for i think for both sides but that was one that i think it was hilarious i think jalen Gave Horford some crap about it going up the floor, and they could they're just laughing about it. the game was endowed out, right but it was like hilarious. Like, like this man is 37 years old. Like, let him land on his legs gingerly. Like, I feel like they this wasn't just a this game problem. I feel like around the league this year, they're calling all these hang on the rim situations like it's a, a point of emphasis when it's stupid. It's like let th- let these guys
2: be able to I have himself. a take. You should be able to hang on the rim as much as you fucking right? want. Why not? If you hang on it too hard, you know how the other team can punish you by going the other way and scoring. Short of that, you probably didn't hang on the rim too long. Like, I, 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 especially that. It was Al Horford in transition, just hung for an extra second. He's 37 years old, as you said. Probably was didn't want to land funky. You never know when you're going to break a hip. Um, <laughs> And uh, just such an unnecessary tech. I hate all techs like that. Just let guys celebrate.
0: Any other uh, observations, honorable mentions, anything that needs to be talked about here uh, on the Monday show?
2: I'm intrigued by the Jalen. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You first.
1: I'm intrigued by the Jalen Porzingis two man game. I feel like they're kind of building a connection there. Um, with Jalen obviously being the passer most of the time, and I mean a lot of it's easy mismatch up. But like Jalen's I think showing like almost a surprising touch to get the ball to Perzingis at times, and I think that's that's a weapon in you know in Jalen's bag that we haven't seen in past seasons here. So that's I think very promising news, especially for the non-Tatum minutes that Jalen kind of looks like he's kind of being able to run the offense a little better in those spots, and that's creating easy offense and better
2: numbers for the team when with Tatum off the floor. Yeah, I feel like Porzingis just makes the game a lot easier for guys. And Jalen's problem has never been that he wants to play the wrong way. It's been that he doesn't always know how to. And he's had to learn how to become a better passer, he's had to learn how to become a more willing passer. And there's nothing easier than seeing a seven foot three dude open and knowing that he's a great shooter and a great finisher and that if he's open all you need to do is find him it just simplifies the game so much like there's there's nothing complicated about it just find the seven foot three dude when he's near the hoop i just looked up the poor Zingas numbers and jalen has assisted him seven times already through five games, which is the second among all players. Drew holiday has assisted him eight times. So you're not wrong about the, the two man connection. It's, it's, uh, I mean, really, really, I think Jalen has had some of his best passing. Um, and that's a low bar, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I, I do feel like he's, he's committed to, to making it work, wants to make it work. And, and I, Porzingis, like I said, like it's just an easy target. It's like seeing Gronk over the middle, you know, like just an easy, easy target.
0: And when they can run a, a JB KP like pick and roll with Jason Tatum just on the weak side, no one's like stepping in and stopping the rolling Porzingis there. Or they can kind of flip it around and something I saw them do kind of more in the preseason, but it's like Tatum at the with the ball at the top of the key, and Chris Tapp sets a pin down screen for Jalen. Like, that action is just going to cause so much uh, attention from the other team's defense. It's it's going to be pretty hard to stop. Also, shout out to Jalen for, what was it? He hit seven threes in the first half against Washington. Um, a pretty solid performance by uh, downtown Jalen Brown. But, Jay, I believe you had more junk or observations.
2: Oh, I was just going to la I thought it was, it was funny that I saw some, like, Jalen backlash after oh, yeah. the, the Nets game because he went seven for 22 and I just found it funny like they won by 10 on the road but they're undefeated and like you gotta find something you gotta find something and it was Jalen that night I I I honestly think he's he's bought into trying to make it work and there are gonna be certainly some rough times he's he's always had bouts of decision-making troubles but I just think – and the poor Zingas, I do think poor Zingas just really helps him, s- simplifies the reads. And then – but yet, yesterday's first half was hilarious. It's, especially, like, the first six minutes. Because it was like – the Celtics did not pass. They were not passing. It was just, like, all no-pass three-pointers. And they built, like, a ten-point lead. That was – like, they, they really – I thought they they – took really some zany shots early. We're not committed <laughs> zany. To, zany. They were not committed to moving the ball at all. And they haven't really been committed to moving the ball and maybe they don't have to be, but it was it, it was pretty funny the first like 6 minutes cuz I was like that's that's a tough shot. Oh, it went in. That's a tough shot. Also went in. <laughs> and they just weren't passing were making and I guess that works.
1: That's fair. When you, don't, when you don't pass, their turnover rate's way down this year, so it's like it's like, hey, we have this mismatch. Let's just put it in. Let's like cut out the middleman here, and it seems to be working. So it is like it'll be fascinating to monitor that the year going on. But yeah, it's it's hilarious because like, why would you like? They're getting these great looks, so they're think, well, yeah, I don't want to turn it up down a great look early just because they have it. Just like just just fire it up and see what happens here.
0: It seems like that is it. We've run out of observations. I do, before we get going, I know Jay and I talked about it after the game against uh, the Pacers, but Steve looked attempting a double pump dunk in the fourth quarter of a game. I just think I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't bring it up again, and so I just thought we need to kind of give it the proper respect. Shout-outs to Steve. But you Shout guys have been listening to, to the free Monday version of Still Potable It'll be free on, it's currently on the Winning Plays feed, which hopefully is still called the Still Potable feed. But if you want the rest of our content for the rest of the week, go to patreon.com slash Still Potable. We'll be here Monday through Friday. Sign up at the kids level, get the Tuesday and Thursday show, or come in at God level and get every single show for the rest of the week. We've been doing post-game pods. They have many games this week, so we'll be uh, releasing a pod after the game against the Timberwolves on Monday night, the pretty huge game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, some might say their first real test of the season on Wednesday night. So if you want to come on down, join the the Still Potable show, the community, hop in and talk with us on the chat. Uh be more than appreciated. Really trying to build a fun Celtics community here. And, yeah, we just, we've just we consistently been growing since we started this, since B-Rob came aboard, and uh, it should be pretty exciting. So tune in tune out drop in tune out what's that phrase from the 60s you guys know what i'm talking about timothy leary anyone anyone no who?
2: Yeah, nothing <laughs> nothing <What laughs> team did he play for
0: <laughs> uh, harvard he was a harvard professor got a uh, real into psychedelics no nothing all right thanks for listening folks who
2: Timothy Leary
0: is a pretty famous person.
2: In what realm?
0: Life.